Hey, this is Hal Lublin from We Got This With Mark and Hal, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Keep doing it. You also got Stan Lee to come back too, right? Yeah, yeah that, that was has been a real phenomenal. Treat. I mean, he yeah, he just comes in and he loves to play, and he'll you know, because you know when, when you're creating new superheroes and you're having Stan Lee talk about them, there's a little bit of a sense of <laughs> oh, is he going to be judging this or what? But, uh, yeah. he, he just rips in and has a good time. Yeah, he's really terrific. Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. And this is the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at the GBV Podcast. Also, anywhere that you can get your podcasts on your apps, in browsers, wherever. That's where we are. Welcome to another week. How are you doing this week, Jamie? Fantabulous. How are you doing, Justin? <laughs> I'm doing wonderful. Fantabulous. I like that word. I'm going to use it. Stealing that word. Okay. It's all yours. You can have it. (laughs) So we've talked to a lot of really cool and interesting people. And we've talked to a lot of uh, TV showrunners. And that's not something I ever would have thought when we started this podcast. And I don't know why I would have. That's just not something I would have thought (laughs) that we would do. When you think about, especially like animated, animated shows, it's like, you think about the voice actors, you think about the right. animators. You don't necessarily think about the producers and the showrunners, the people who are actually running the day to day, you know? And um yeah, so I, I don't think when we started the show, I probably would have guessed that either. Be like, yeah, we're gonna talk to all the showrunners, all the executive <laughs> producers. Um but what's been intriguing is that they they've all been really solid conversations. Like they've yes. like they've been really fascinating. Yeah. And they usually give you a very good insight and look into how the show itself was made, not just, you know, the storyline, but, you know, the thinking behind it and, you know, different, maybe sometimes they've talked about challenges they had and how they had to overcome them or when they made a decision to go one way. Like, for example, in the DuckTales interview, they talked about why they chose the animation style that they did or giving personality to Huey, Dewey and Louie and the decision behind that. Like, that's not stuff you get talking to the actors because they don't know. They have a script and they don't know why. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Most of the actors just show up. They read a script. Most of the animators, um, unless they were involved with character design, which many of them are not, they just they're given the the style sheets and they just draw what they're supposed to draw or create in the computer what they're supposed to create. Um, Yeah. It's the producers and the director and the showrunners. Those are the people who who are really knee deep in the weeds of the show. Right. And you, the listener at home, there here is your question of the week. We're going to start giving you questions of the week, and we want you to Do respond. It. And if you respond to us on Twitter, we will read your tweet out. So please respond. Please. So, listener, here's your question of the week. Um, we have talked to, as Justin said, we've talked to a lot of uh, executive producing teams. Uh, many, most of them are, are partners who work together on a lot of these 
um, animated series. We've talked to the guys and the men and women behind, uh, not all of them Disney. So we've talked to Dino Trucks. Um, we've talked to Voltron Legendary Defender. We've talked to Tangled, DuckTales. Today, we're going to be talking to the guys behind Big Hero 6. Um, I know I'm probably forgetting a few, uh, but we've talked to a lot of the these teams behind these shows and how they're created and how they've reached their, you know, the, the look and feel of the show and the sound of the show. Is there a show out there that you like, your kids like, you know about that we haven't talked to? I know there's, there's a few shows, um, you know, just like Disney shows, if, since that's what we're talking about today, there's a few of them that we haven't really touched on. But anything, you know, whatever show is out there, it doesn't even have to be a kid's show, an animated show, anything. Um, getting that behind the scenes look about how the show was created, how the decisions that went into development of the show. Um, what are you really grooving on right now? Like what show are you binging? What show are you really, um, really just falling in love with? And you want to learn more about, let us know what that is. And we'll see what we can do about getting some of those uh, creators on the show, on our show. We will do that. Jamie is the master booker, so he'll he'll find it. We need George Martin. Is that his name? George Martin from Game of Thrones. Get him. He's next. Yeah. Okay. I'll work. I'll work on that. that. Except he's not really involved with the show. No, that's true. That's true. He's too busy not writing the books. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. Yes, today uh, I talked to Bob Schooley and Mark McCorkle, uh, who are the executive producers and showrunners behind the new Big Hero 6 series coming out on um, Disney XD. And um, the show is, the look and feel of it is actually pretty similar to the Tangled show because both are based on um, feature films that were 3D, CGI, you know, had a very unique look to them. And the show's kind of pull back a little bit and give it a more traditional animated feel. It's 2D. Um, I mean, everything's done in computer now, but they look like a little bit more that they were done by hand. Um, the show, if you're listening to this RF podcast in real time, uh, the premiere movie of Big Hero 6 uh, will premiere the this week or this weekend. Uh, and it's actually the movie that kicks everything off is set between two scenes at the end of Big Hero 6. So if you remember Big Hero 6 and at the end, spoiler, um, there's that, there's the moment when, you know, you think Baymax died in that void or wherever he was, the other dimension. And Hero goes home and he just has like the big Baymax fist, the, the arm that he had rescued. And he put that um, on his on his bookshelf and he opens up the hand and he notices that there's like a little microchip the microchip that contains everything that was baymax and then the very next scene is the new baymax that hero had made coming alive and have remembering everything and having all of his memories and thoughts and feelings and everything so the premiere movie that comes out actually takes place between those two scenes it shows how hero went to school how he worked with everybody and how he he created baymax again um, and then starting in early 2018, I don't know if they've released the exact day yet, uh, the series continues. The series kicks off and that the series itself takes place after the show, after the movie. So they're, they're a team. So um, they're a team fighting crime, further adventures. You know how it works. Um, so I talked to Bob and Mark um, about creating the show and, and the decisions that went into it, like we were talking about before. 
Um, the two of them have worked together a lot over the years. They are actually the guys who created Kim Possible. If you know that show or are a fan of that show, they were the creators of that show. Uh, they've worked a lot on other Disney animated series and sort of those direct-to-DVD sequels. Um, so they have a lot of history there. Bob, actually, if you go back far enough, he worked on uh, some several series that are a little bit near and dear to my heart, like uh, Captain N and Super Mario Brothers show, like all those Nintendo cartoons. I don't know if you ever remember those. Captain Planet, the real Ghostbusters. So he was in he, his his career stretches back um, all the way to those. Um, but we primarily in this chat, we talk about uh, Big Hero 6 and they, they've done almost the impossible in that they've brought back almost the entire cast from the film to reprise their roles in the show. Wow. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And Big Hero 6 was one of my favorite uh, Disney movies in the last little while. So I can't wait for the show. It's going to be great. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> it is good. It's awesome. It's awesome. All right, guys, we're going to go play that interview for you right now. Hope you enjoy. Um, I wanted to start off um, with probably the most important bit of information that I learned about you guys is that you met while working at Sesame Place. Yes, we yeah. did. What were you? When was that and what were you doing there? Uh, I started there on opening day in wow. 1980, believe it or not. I was uh, employee number 42. Which I always remember for some <laughs> <laughs> the answer to the yeah, that's right. answer. Um, but uh, originally just started out as, you know, an ops employee working at the ball pit and stuff like that. Uh, and then eventually I think by the next year I was a supervisor. I think Mark started the next year. Or I started, started fall uh, of that year. Fall no, fall of eighty one. Eighty one, I believe, or eighty two, I forget what. Fairly quickly, we both became, when they added live entertainment there, where they had the Muppet characters and stuff, we were both uh, managers of that. Uh, Mark's wife was actually Ernie. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, my wife worked in the gift shop. It's, it's, oh, I love uh, it. It's all in the family. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is. But I, we actually got our start there because they had a video camera at a time when such a thing was sort of unheard of. And we started making videos for them, and we would write them and edit them and Get our friends act in them. You know, one one of our friends, Bill Beretta, is now one of the lead Muppets, who was uh, there at the time. So uh, yeah, so we got our first sort of uh, taste at making entertainment there. And uh, that's when we met, became friends, and started collaborating, realizing we had similar taste. Similar taste, and then you know, yeah, enjoyed the same stuff and enjoyed creating stuff. Yeah, well, that's amazing. I I always it's love people's yeah. I love people's theme theme park stories because I'm a big fan, and so I love especially since you guys were there from the very beginning. That's that's kind of incredible. Yeah, it was a, it was a very unique place that first summer because it was slammed in a way they never expected. Really, one of the things that as their entertainment long after we left, it became a, a launching point for a lot of Broadway. Yeah, I think some Broadway performers work there and stuff. So it's pretty amazing. Wow. And it is, it's, it's still such a quaint, not, I don't know, quaint's the wrong word. It's, it's a, it's not a huge theme park, but it's got this, this style and this personality that you just can't find elsewhere. So it's, yeah, we love it, it was, there. Yeah, it was a, it was a great, I mean, we worked there for, I think, five or six seasons. So it was, yeah. uh, we, we were definitely all through college and still are theme park nuts in terms of, you know, they were owned by Bush at the time. So we would always go down to Virginia to, to you know, Williamsburg and, and visit the park there. And, yeah. Uh, when we find when we worked at Disney, obviously that was 
huge to be able to go to Disney parks. So. Sure. Yeah. Sure. First thing when we moved to California, it's like, did we get a job? No, we bought Disneyland season passes. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, this is great. We can go to Disneyland whenever we want. <laughs> um, I was also um, really fascinated to learn that you guys, your careers began like a, a bit like a stereotype that I didn't know was actually true. Like you literally started in the, in the room. Yeah, you literally started in the mailroom and worked your way up. Yeah. It, it's, it's, yeah, we're happy to be a stereotype. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were both, I got a job in the mailroom at Deke and then I, uh, then Mark got in there shortly thereafter because they were still high. It was an era when people still drove things around and didn't email it. Um, so, uh, yeah, and because we were in the mailroom, we kind of got the inside scoop, um, not through snooping through people's mail, necessarily, <laughs> about what shows we're looking for. And, you know, it gave us an opportunity to pitch a uh, freelance script to a show there, and that was our first writing job. And uh, they took us on as staff writers there fairly quickly thereafter. Yeah. And, uh, and then Disney recruited us in 1990, and we were at Disney for 17 years, yeah. and then uh, left for a little while and did the Penguin show at Nickelodeon, and then we've been back here for three years. Wow. It's amazing. I never, I never, I never thought that actually happened. <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's amazing, actually. Deke, in that era, a lot of people got their start there that are at the top of the industry now. Our yeah. head of production here was a PA there when we were there, and Cartoon Network's guy. You know, it's... It was uh, it, it was, was an training interesting ground. training ground because it was like boot camp. Yeah, well, so the two of you, I mean, in that in that career that has happened since, the two of you work together fairly routinely. Um, I'm just curious. Exactly. I'm curious <laughs> from your perspective, what are the strengths that each of you bring to any given project? Uh, well, I, I always like to say, and this is my theory about all writing teams. All writing teams are Bert and Ernie. Ah, okay. <laughs> So which, who's who? Bob is Bert. Bob is Bert. I, I have my paperclip collection. Yeah. <laughs> and I am Ernie. So what will happen is in, in a meeting, when things are going completely south, uh, you know, we'll leave and Bob will go, well, that was a disaster. And I'll be like, no, no, it was fine. It's going to be great. <laughs> and I think you always need that equilibrium because you, if you have two people that are downers, that's never going to work. And yeah. if there's two people that are blissful optimistic idiots like me that's not going to work either so <laughs> I, I think you, you kind of we kind of need that it it's, just gets scary though if i'm being optimistic about something something feels off yeah <laughs> and, and likewise if i'm suddenly skeptical we, we all get extra worried <laughs> we're in the upside down at that point right yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. um so big hero six the the premiere movie takes place in this space between two scenes at the very end of the movie of the of the feature film uh right. and then the series picks up after the end of the movie so what led to that that decision like how did you guys come about that come to that angle uh i think we just thought that uh, you know that was such a sort of shorthand at the end of the movie of getting the team back together to fight crime uh yeah. that we thought you could sort of get an interesting story out of rebuilding baymax getting the team back together and hero being new at school, which were all sort of the issues in play that they dealt with very quickly in that little montage after mm -hmm. the acting. Um, so we thought it would just be kind of fun to sort of ease back into the world that way. 
and sort of be able to, you know, obviously the emotion of Baymax coming back uh, is a linchpin in Baymax Returns, but it, it seemed like a great way to sort of reintroduce the world and slowly kind of introduce our main villains for the season, but, you know, getting a fair amount of Yama, which the audience is already familiar with from the movie. Um, yeah, it just felt like a fun way to tee up the series. Uh, to sort of reestablish what is status quo. Uh, and then, you know, it, it was too irresistible. You know, that moment, that hug when he brings Baymax back was so powerful at the end of the movie uh, that we just felt like, you know, we, we'd love to launch from that. Yeah. Period. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, what, when you, when it, when you guys were designing the show, what was your thinking behind the look? Because you didn't use exactly the same character designs from the film. So how long did it take to arrive at the new designs and animation style? A long time. Really? <laughs> we went through a lot of trial. Well, we were sort of guided by, you know, obviously we wanted to do 2D because of the, the flexibility for TV. Um, because the movie, the CG was so gorgeous. Yeah. It, there was no way we could maintain that on a TV schedule and budget. So it was like, all right, we want to do 2D. We want to do, we're sort of vaguely, you know, honoring the mashup sensibility of the movie where it's kind of anime, kind of traditional American animation. And we want the characters to be stylized in a way uh, that, you know, with our animation will look good. Um, but clearly a kid watching is going to say that's honey lemon or that's wasabi. We didn't want them to be so overly stylized that you sort of lose the charm from the movie. And, and I think so it was a long time of trial and error, yeah. finding a, a look that we all agreed on. And, you know, our, uh, fellow executive producer, Nick Filippi, who was more in charge of the art side, you know, he, he says that in a lot of ways, what we ultimately arrived at, uh, is almost 101 Dalmatians meet anime. Hmm. Which is, you know, so it became its own version of the, of the fusion. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is San Francisco. Uh, particularly our backgrounds are very inspired, I think, by uh, 101 Dalmatians, but with a more modern sensibility in terms of color and so forth. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Um, you guys also managed to pull back in most of the original voice cast. How hard was that to pull off? Uh, it took a little while. <laughs> it was, uh, well, I think one of the things is, Ed, you know, all the folks who came back were, uh, really loved their characters. I, you know, I think they really wanted to do more in the, as those characters. Um, you know, Scott is Baymax. I mean, yeah, I don't I, think Scott would have ever let anybody else do that. Yeah. <laughs> to me, what he did with that is as groundbreaking as what Robin Williams did with Jeannie. You know, he just, you know, made some magic. I mean, that's... Uh, I mean, yeah, the only downside is that we're cursed with actors who actually have successful on-camera <laughs> careers. So we're recording people where, you know, Jamie's in Atlanta and Genesis is in New York, Scott's in New York, uh, Ryan is going to be in Toronto. It's yeah. like... So it's a lot of, thank goodness, the technology now is it's as if they're in the next room when you record them. But uh, it, it's interesting. The team is rarely in the same city. You also got Stan Lee to come back too, right? Yeah, that, that has been a real phenomenal. Treat. I mean, he, you know, just to, to, to work with him and, and record with him, it, you know, it's an honor because I mean, this guy is 
the modern mythic. I mean, every every story I grew up with of Marvel Comics was, you know, came from that man. So it is pretty uh, intimidating at first, but he's such a sweet. Yeah, he just comes in and he loves to play, and he'll, you know. Because, you know, when, when you're creating new superheroes and you're having Stan Lee talk about them, there's a little bit of a sense of, <laughs> oh, is he going to be judging this or what? But, uh, yeah. he, he just rips in and has a good time. Yeah, he is really terrific. It, you, what's interesting to me is that it used to be when a film made the jump to TV or has sequels, whether they were theatrical or direct-to-DVD or what have you, the original cast wasn't really involved at all, but you guys have done it. Um, Tangled did it. They got Mandy and Zach back. DuckTales, yeah. it's not original, but they have this really impressive cast that they put together. Sure. What What do you think has changed? Like, what what's different now that the this top-tier, like you said, successful on-screen acting talent, you know, is so interested in coming back and reprising those roles? If they like the role and they like the material, um, I think that's a huge thing. But I also think we're even seeing it now in live action, though. Like, so many you know, what you in the past would say is a movie star are willing to do TV shows because I, I do think it's if they love the material or they're willing yeah, to. Yeah, I think everyone, uh, you know, the cast on this film really bonded because, you know, when it won the Academy Award and everything, they were there for it. Um, I think they just all wanted to keep doing that character and, you know, we try to make it as convenient for them as possible because obviously the beauty of animation is you can come in and do your part in a half an hour yeah. uh, and get out. So, you know, we really work with everybody on their schedules and, you know, uh, even like someone like uh, um, getting uh, our, our main villain, Andrew Scott from London, you know, our when we first created this villain, it was like, you know, here's the dream casting would be Andrew Scott, but he's not going to do it. And then casting's like, well, let's ask him. Yeah. <laughs> and he said he yes. And we're like, oh, geez. So All now, right. Now we have to actually write, <laughs> we have to write up to, uh, you know, a caliber that's worthy. Shakespearean actor. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's kind of amazing sometimes who, who will uh, do your little series with you and have yeah. fun. Yeah. Part of it is I think we try to make it fun for them too by, le by letting them inhabit the character and improv um even brooks who took over the role of fred quickly owned it and we realized when we were going through scripts and looking at the final picture that he ad-libbed at least some of every line he did i think yeah there's a little little shading little, shading, yeah, little, little flourishes make it, make it um, and he's fantastic Alan Tudyk back as Cray, which, you know, was a pretty small part in the movie, but we get to see him a lot in the series. And he's, you know, he's hardest working man in animation business yeah. for a reason, because he's fantastic. Yeah, he, you know, we're lucky. The, the comedic characters, uh, when we have someone like, like Alan, Andy Richter as Globby, uh, Jennifer Lewis uh, as Granville, even though she's, a fairly serious character. She bring, She's able to milk comedy out of how tough she is. Um, you know, so we we've been really fortunate. Maya Rudolph is great. Yeah, yeah. it's a it's a. We're, we've been lucky in our career yeah. that we've been blessed with some really fantastic cast. Yeah. Um, you guys did the seemingly impossible. Um, no pun intended on Kim Possible. 
when you you created a show that had this true cross-generational appeal. Kids, tweens, adults, everybody seemed to love it. Do you think that Big Hero 6 is going to be an extension of that? Are you, are you looking to we, have like a similar appeal? We definitely approach this series the same way we approach Kim Possible in terms of here's an element for younger kids, here's an element for older kids, here's a joke for the parents. Um, our, our hope is definitely the same sort of cross-generational appeal that I think Kim Possible had. And that's partially with Kim Possible. We were just writing to our tastes. Yeah. We are we are 10 year olds at heart. <laughs> aren't aren't uh, we all? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so but yeah, I think that's the goal. The goal is, you know, you know, we know from a business perspective where, you know, kids are the target, but with Kim Possible or Sky High or any of these things we've worked on, we like it when a, we'll hear from a whole family that, oh, this is something we watch together. And sort of the unique thing on this show because it has this real science spine to it, we throw in some jargon that kids are going to have to look up if they really want to yeah. know what it means. But we felt like to make it authentic that these are science geniuses, and sometimes when they're talking about things, we use the terms that you know no kid is probably going to know, yeah. and they don't really have to know to follow the plot. But if they're curious, they'll, they'll look it up and you know see that it's authentic that's awesome um so beyond the the premiere movie what can we look forward to with the first season well it's uh because it's the first season and there are kind and here is new at school we have a lot of new at school kind of stories but also a lot of villain origin stories because you know in the movie it wasn't like it was gotham teeming with villains uh so we had to sort of create a lot um, so there's a lot of origin stories, and then there's this overall season-long arc and mystery with the character of Obake, the Andrew Scott character, uh, kind of finding out what he's about and where he came from and what his goal is. It leads to a, a huge finale at the end of season one. So, you know, Baymax Returns, you know, was kicking it off. Uh, and each individual episode, you know, we try to make an entertaining piece unto itself, but there are things that unfold as we build this world uh, that leads to a, a, a huge three-part finale. Awesome. Awesome. I am so looking forward to that. This was one of my surprise favorite films of recent Disney history, so I've been looking forward to this series for a long time since it was announced. So, well, um, we don't <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> um, this is I'm, I'm excited, and uh, this is great. So, Bob and Mark, thank you so much for your time. I know you guys got to run, so thank you so much. Sure. Thank you. All right. Enjoy awesome. the show. Thanks. Have a great day. So this trend of Disney bringing their properties to TV shows, I think I can get on board. You I think get I'm getting on board with it. I think I can. You know, what's funny is that um, th- it's not a new trend. You know, it, it feels like it is because they haven't done it in a while. But if you go back to like the 90s, yes. there was an Aladdin movie. There was, I mean, Aladdin series. There's a Hercules series. There was the Timon and Pumbaa series. Like yeah. many of their films during the 90s got turned into uh, television series. But they then there was like a huge stretch where they just didn't do that. And now they're sort of getting back into that again. 
Right. And that's why I, that's what I was about to say. I'm really excited because that was the way it was back then. Right. Any, I, I grew up watching Aladdin. I know that sounds funny, but I love the Aladdin show and it was on TV. It was, it was my favorite thing in the world. And, you know, Darkwing Duck, of course, too, but that wasn't based on a larger property. But I'm hoping that this is going to pave the way for more great animated programming because that was, I don't even, I got that. It's convincing me to think about signing up for TV again, just so we can watch <laughs> with the kids. It's convincing. It's close. I don't know how many, I don't know how much information has been announced yet, but the, the Disney streaming Netflix uh, uh, competition is, uh, is going to be coming out soon. And I don't know, like they've already said that all the Disney movies and Marvel series that are on Netflix now are going to get pulled and are going to move over to the Disney streaming service. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know how much of their back catalog, even the stuff, you know, like that Aladdin show and all that stuff. That's not on DVD. I don't think they haven't released no. those shows. I'm, so I'm wondering, how, like I'm wondering how much of YouTube, that's going to make but... it to the streaming. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think they probably have copies of it somewhere. Let's hope. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think that they do. <laughs> <laughs> so this week's Twitter mention of the week, we were tweeted and shouted out by the one and only Ann Wheaton multiple times this week. So I don't I don't have a specific tweet pulled, but she had tweeted us and mentioned listening to us on her anniversary drive with Will. And that's my favorite thing in the world. That's a little bit that. weird. <laughs> no big deal. Will and Ann listen no to us deal. while they drive. That's how it goes. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> Living the life. We've made it. We've arrived on <laughs> Will and Ann Wheaton's car stereo. All right, guys. If you want to be tweeted, if you want to tweet us and become the Twitter mention of the week, that'll be you. Give us a tweet at GBB Podcast or at 140 C for me on Twitter. And Jamie is. I am at the Roarbots. <laughs> and we will see you next time right here on the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Take care. <laughs> this podcast has been a production of the Geek Dad Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this content, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash geekdad.